NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. I guess this week is the great Kyle Thomas of Exhorter. And this interview was done a few weeks ago before Hurricane Ida. And uh, if you're watching social media right now, uh, Kyle and all of Exhorter seem to be helping out a lot in the New Orleans area. So T's and P's down to everyone in the New Orleans area. And uh, this is a great chat with Kyle Thomas of Exhorter. You guys know I'm a huge Pantera fan. Did not actually talk with him about Pantera, but you always heard that uh, this band Exhorter influenced Pantera. And for the longest time, I had never heard them. But I was like, I don't know, man. I, I think they're all original. I think Pantera is 100% original. And then you go back and listen to Slaughter at the Vatican, and uh, you're like, ooh, maybe they did. <laughs> <laughs> too much fun but yeah a, a great chat with kyle thomas and uh once again t's and p's to everyone down in the new orleans area friend of the show ian wadley i checked in on him the other day he said everything was going well just was out of uh that just the power was out so hopefully everybody's doing well and uh, we'll get through this like we always do if you have been paying attention to the talk to me podcast on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, you've noticed that uh, this week has been pretty nuts for me. I got to interview Jason Newstead uh, on Monday. On Tuesday, we put up part one of that. You can check that out over at YouTube at the NotFest YouTube channel. Part two should be going up today as you are listening to this. Three and four will be next Tuesday and Thursday. And then the full interview with Jason Newstead talking Everything Black Album will be out next Thursday as a Talk To Me podcast. Got to speak to Jason for about an hour, so that was awesome. <laughs> you guys have, uh, if you've been checking out Throwback Throwdown with Toomey, you guys have known I've been gushing over the Black Album uh, for the last few weeks, and then to get a chance to speak with Jason Newstead about the record. Dream come true, you know, maybe time to retire. Where do we go from here? But with that being said, make sure to check out Throwback Throwdown tonight, post-night, with Cody from Wage War, and then uh, the dudes from Alien Weaponry, also on tonight. going to be a fantastic show. Throwback Throwdown with Toomey, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash notfestofficial. It's always free. Come hang out in the chat, and I hope to see you there. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to the New Metal Reddit page r slash new metal they had me on there last night uh which was tuesday night i'm recording this on wednesday had me on there for an ama that i think lasted almost four hours uh pretty crazy seeing all the questions come through a lot of primer 55 a lot of 12 volt negative earth i was really surprised how many people uh check out that band maybe around the world around the country and uh you know some not fest talk and things like that so yeah huge shout out to the new metal reddit page make sure you guys are checking that out also did a few podcasts over the weekend so those will be coming up i'll let you guys know uh when those will be coming out so a lot of stuff going on over here at the talk to me compound hopefully we'll see you tonight post night over on throwback throwdown with to me twitch.tv slash official and once again it's always free to come and hang out it's always better if you subscribe but <laughs> always free to come hang out and be checking out those clips of the Jason Newstead interview over at the NotFest YouTube channel. Let's make that video go crazy. Leave comments, leave likes, share with your friends. And uh, without any more of my ramblings, let's get into some new Exhorter. Let's talk to Kyle Thomas and then check out some classic Exhorter. And then I will talk to you guys momentarily.
Great Kyle Thomas of Exhorter. Kyle, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Doing as best I can. And uh, getting a chat with you is going to be uh, pretty amazing tonight. Well, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, man, uh, before we get into Exhorter and everything else you've done, uh, let's just kind of go back in time and, uh, you know, what got you into music and, you know, what made you want to become, uh, you know, the, the man you are today. <laughs> Stick with me, and you'll learn how to make hundreds of dollars. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I always uh, gravitated towards music. Uh, it, it spoke to me at a very early age. Uh, my sisters played a lot of music around the house uh, on the eight-track player, record oh, players. Yeah. So you know, uh, started off with the Beatles, and I was hooked. So um, you know, discovered my own stuff along the way. Uh, started playing trumpet when I was in third grade. Uh, that was uh, a consolation prize because my folks couldn't afford a, a saxophone. <laughs> so, uh, so I took my consolation prize and made the best of it. Uh, took five years of private lessons, got pretty good at it. I just didn't have a, a passion for trumpet. So I uh, kind of bounced back and forth with that and sports and such. Uh, I guess when I was about 13, 12, 13, I started discovering heavy metal and nice. uh, and then started playing bass. And I was really all about playing bass uh, until I made the grave error of opening my mouth at a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started getting requested to sing more songs, and then they took the bass out of my hands. And uh, so now I'm a singer. You know, kind of going back to your trumpet thing, it was funny. I was listening to an interview with you talking about, you know, uh, you wanted to play the sax. They gave you the trumpet. When I was in uh, middle school, I wanted to be the drummer of the band. And they're like, well, why don't you start on xylophone? And I was like, I don't want to play xylophone. I want to play the drums. Like, you know, and right. I was, I was, but I was way more stubborn than you. And I did not 
play xylophone or drums or anything. So I was just uh, a little pain in the butt. Well, you wanted to pound. You didn't want to tap. Right. I was like, what's a xylophone? <laughs> you can't get any girls with a xylophone? <laughs> that was my thought. It's like, I, give me the saxophone, man. And I'll have all the girls. And here, have a trumpet. Right. Oh, no. Yeah, saxophone, you can go outside the window and, you know, play them a little tune and stuff. Yeah, you can't do a lot with the trumpet. Oh, New man. Orleans, you could probably you know get away with the trumpet probably a little bit better than like Nashville where I grew up. <laughs> right, it definitely <laughs> wasn't working for this third grader. <laughs> right, no chicks for Kyle Thomas. Uh, what were uh, what what? My favorite question is like, what was the name of your first ever band? The first band that I was in. Yeah, the first actual real band. You know, I mean, there was a few here and there where we go rehearse at someone's house and we come up with names, but never played a gig. The first band that actually had a a, a gig with was called Armageddon nice. and uh, I, I played bass and sang a little bit and Jimmy Bauer was the drummer oh nice I was 15 I think Jim was 16 uh, yeah we uh, we played at some of the uh, the local fairs and you know backyard parties and that kind of thing and, and you know we'd play like Iron Maiden Black Sabbath uh kiss stuff like that it was it was fun man we had, we had a great time we wrote a few originals too they were they were not bad you know, i've had jimmy on the show before and it's kind of funny your voices are very similar and the accent doesn't help uh, yeah <laughs> yeah well shit we were we were just about best friends from uh 85 until you know i mean we're, we're still close friends we just don't see each other that much but right. you know we, we were like inseparable friends until you know we were probably in our early 20s and uh you know we we still talk you know on occasion he doesn't live too far from me now uh, i hadn't seen him in a while but i'll be seeing him in uh in the end of next month at cycle las vegas that's awesome man yeah that's gonna be a great gig for you guys too it's funny the uh the new orleans scene man it just kind of seems very incestuous you know where you're playing with jimmy and i hate god guys are running around and kirk from downs or you know crowbars running around and it just seems like everybody was in everybody's band at one point yeah and and if not we all had jam sessions uh you know with uh extenuating circumstances involved <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but no we, we had you know we we've, we've all known each other uh and that's the thing about New Orleans. It's a big metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. It's a major metropolitan area, but it's on the smaller side. Uh, there's probably not even half a million people in greater New Orleans. Oh, wow. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's where at least in city limits, I should say, greater New Orleans included is probably over half a million. But I think we're at before Katrina, we were over half a million in, in, in New Orleans and, and, uh, I think we're back up in the 400,000s now, so it's, uh, but not like Houston, which is like 7.2 million people or something crazy like that. Yeah, but Houston's land mass is pretty intense. You know, they yeah. they, they claim a lot to be, a, to be like, what, the third largest city mass-wise or something like that? Yeah, yeah, and greater New Orleans, like, from the radius of downtown is like a 10-mile radius. Yeah. It's not very big. Yeah, back in my band playing days in the '90s, man, I used to we used to play Zeppelins a lot in Metairie, and oh, that yeah. club that club was amazing. That you felt like a rock star every time you played that place. Yeah, Zeppelins was great. Uh, it uh, it's funny because the second gig Exhorter ever played was played in that building, but it was called the Showboat at the time. Okay, uh, and the, the setup was totally different than it than it was by the time it was zeppelins but uh yeah that was that that place had a lot of history uh it, it's so funny I, I look back and there were a lot of major acts that came through there and played at zeppelins uh, merciful fate played oh, there nice. uh, i think overkill played there you know it's like yeah. we were trading shows with uh we were trading shows with drowning pool at the time before they were signed so it was like us and drowning pool were playing there a lot together Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I, I think that was probably around the time that I was, if that was late '90s, early 2000s, and I was, 
I was busy raising my family. I wasn't going to a lot of shows. So, right. Yeah. The one time I remember we went and played and uh, Todd Strange showed up and we're like, dude, <laughs> you know, you know, he's there, you know, if, well, what, uh, band, what band with at the time? Uh, it was a it was a band out of Nashville called Twelve Volt Negative Earth, but we played we somehow got a following. Wow, okay, all right, that's awesome. But yeah, we uh, we played we that was one of the few towns we could headline outside of you know our hometown was was New Orleans just because they they loved us down there and it was a lot of fun every time we went. Yeah, those were those were good days for sure. Uh, really, between eighty between eighty five eighty six and uh, you know, mid mid two thousands, I think you know yeah. things were things were pretty good. Uh, it, it, it's it's getting better again too. I think there's there's a lot of really good younger up and coming bands right now, which is is really nice. Nice. Well, speaking of young and up and coming bands, uh, tell me how Exhorter comes together. Uh, you mean how we how we actually get together and, and work with everybody living in different states? <laughs> <laughs> no, like the original Exhorter getting together in New Orleans. How does the band come together at that point? I follow you. So, <laughs> so rewind to '86. Yes. Yeah, actually, they uh, they all got together. I, I think three of the guys, three of the original guys, were were in a band called Sabotage, and. Um, Sabotage was a heavy metal band, but they, you know, and they played mostly covers, but, um, and that's how the heavy metal scene was down here. You couldn't get gigs if you didn't play covers, but they would throw stuff like Merciful Fate and, and cool stuff like that in, um, that other cover bands weren't doing because most of the cover bands were more like hair metal. Right. Uh, and I, I think those three guys got disenchanted with, uh, with being in that. So they, decided to put something else together uh, a little more along the lines of what they were listening to at the time, you know, Slayer, Metallica, Celtic Frost, that kind of thing. And, um, and so they found Chris nail after that. And then they found me after that, I was the last original member to join and summer of 86, we were rehearsing several times a week, uh, at, at Chris's house, uh, Sometimes in his bedroom, which was hilarious, you know, five guys crammed into a bedroom. Oh yeah, been uh, there, been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we graduated to the garage at some point. But uh, yeah, that that first year or two was mostly um, most 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 everything that was that ended up on the Get Rude demo and the Slaughter in the Vatican demo was written in, uh, you know, and rehearsed in Chris's house, uh, not too far from where I grew up. How did you guys get the ear of Roadrunner Records? How did that come come about? That was actually uh, uh, that was that that was an uh, an odd way that we made it onto Roadrunner. There was a, a label called Three Cherries, and I think they were a jazz label, but they had a subsidiary called Mean Machine. Okay, and. Uh, Borovoy Kriggen was their A and R guy, and, and Mr. Blabbermouth himself. <laughs> yep, that's the one. Uh, he was talking with us and with Violence also um, about uh, about doing a deal. And I think at the time, uh, Violence was was current and gigging, and Exhorter was actually being pieced back together after our first breakup. So we didn't even have a complete lineup. <laughs> so uh, I think they went ahead and, 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 and did the thing with violence. And then we were supposed to be the, the next thing. And as we were recording the album, in the process of recording the album, Three Cherries folded and went out of business. So they sold our contract to Roadrunner. And... Uh, and that's how we ended up doing the deal with Roadrunner. Before I even had an album out, I had signed two record deals. <laughs> <laughs> so in that situation, though, you know, having them sell your contract to Roadrunner was was that kind of a, I guess, what's the way to lo look at it? Like a bad way to walk into Roadrunner? I mean, they didn't really scout you and, and 
wine and dine you and all, you know, you just kind of got sold to Roadrunner. So looking back, was it kind of a, a strange way to end up on the label? Well, now that you mention it, I've never really thought about it that way, but you might be onto something because uh, the majority of the team at Roadrunner believes greatly in Exoder, but ownership, I don't think ever really did. Um, and um, that, it, there, were, there were two times <laughs> that the owner went to Monty Connor and said, we're going to drop these guys. <laughs> and the first time uh, was after Slaughter in the Vatican. And Monty said, if they go, I go. He said, all right, well, you got another chance. And, you know, grateful to Monty for putting his neck on the chopping block for us. Well, after the law, uh, the owner went to him again and said, you got to chop them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that point, Monty's like, I kind of already burned your free ticket. So, <laughs> uh, so it was time It was time for us to go there. And uh, I, I can't believe I, I – uh, Monty's a very genuine and persuasive man, and he convinced me that Roadrunner was the right label for uh, what ended up becoming my band, Floodgate. Uh, and we did the, the album with them. Uh, but – same thing. <laughs> a year after the album comes out, the owner wants to drop us. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I don't know what it was about me necessarily that the guy didn't like. But uh, maybe I don't. Know, maybe it was the trumpet. Probably the trumpet. Had you played sax, still be on Roadrunner. <laughs> uh, <All right>. ba- <laughs> back to Slaughter in the Vatican. I was listening to it today. And uh, just kind of refreshing. And I was like, man, this sounds like a Scott Burns record. And when I get home, I look yeah. it up and, and it's like, it's, you know, Morris Sound Studio, Scott Burns. And it's funny the like that sound of, you know, it, it, it sounded like early Sepultura and Deicide and just all that, that great Morris Sound stuff. You know, what, what was it, you know, the, how was it working with Scott Burns back then? Scott Scott was so easy to work with, such a nice guy and a great engineer. And he he took a botched session. We started recording that album in New Orleans with an engineer that really didn't have much of an idea of how to record heavy metal. He was good at recording like traditional New Orleans funk and jazz and stuff. Very good at that. Yeah. He wasn't well versed in heavy metal at all and and that's that's important you need to know how to mic everything you need to know how to you know get the right tones we were inexperienced so we didn't really know you know any better and the session was just lousy it just sounded terrible so we went to Morrisound to to salvage the session and um you know which we 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 did to you know to the, you know, to the, to the best of our ability, but still at the end of it, we were like, listen, and it was like, the drums just don't sound right. So Chris went in and re-recorded his drums to the recorded guitars without any kind of visual cues or anything. Oh, wow. It was the most, I mean, Chris, Chris is an amazing drummer, yeah, one yeah. of the best I've ever seen. But to do that to technical thrash metal with a lot of time changes and, you know, you know, speed up breakdown breaks all this stuff uh i remember tom morris the uh the owner of the facility came in there and was watching chris do what he was doing and he's just looking at us going how does this guy do it like (laughs) chris man yeah i mean uh, you know that's something they did a good job of, uh, of saving that session he really did yeah, that's something that can be done now because of grids and clicks and everything else going on. I mean, they said the last uh, Megadeth record, Dystopia, you know, Dave Ellison played the bass first. Like, that was the first thing to go down in Dystopia. Then they, they built around that, you know. So, I mean, now that's a little bit more uh, uh, commonplace. But, yeah, back then that sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, at, at this level, everybody that's recording an album should be well prepared enough to get into their uh at their designated time and record their parts and do it next to flawlessly if not flawlessly so you know uh that that says a lot for being prepared you know uh if if we had been not prepared to do that album i mean at that point we had 
recorded the songs probably three times. Most of the songs have been recorded at least three or four times before we even went in to do that album. So uh, I remember after we recorded Slaughter in the Vatican, I was so happy that we would never record those songs again. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's got to be nuts. The um, the touring on that album, did you tour, tour much off of that first album? Not really. Uh, we did a, a European tour. Uh, uh, and it was really just a you know a small booking agent who uh, booked a lot of you know either small clubs or youth centers in Europe and um, it was mostly in like Belgium, Netherlands. Uh, we had a German show on that tour, so France. There was really just mostly Western Europe, uh, and then. <clears throat> For the U.S., we would go out and do like a weekend's worth of gigs here, weekend's worth of gigs there. We we really didn't have a proper U.S. tour in the Vatican, and uh, and then by the time we got on the law, we did another one of those tours. It was a little bit bigger. Always good times, man. Um, going into the law, you know, listening to that, I mean, the, sonically, the law sounds amazing. Uh, you know, from from Slaughter in the Vatican to the law, I mean the the uh, production just went through the roof, and it wasn't that also done at Morris Sound, but different producer. No, I'm and first let me say I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I don't think any of us were fully satisfied with that record either. Um, and again, Rob Beaton was the engineer. We recorded, uh, we recorded most of that here in New Orleans, and some of it we finished up out in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, at the studio where where he worked, um, but uh, we were not that well prepared. We we didn't have the songs all finished. We were still writing in the studio. Um, the guitar players were experimenting with guitar tones in the studio, and uh, I don't know. It was just to me, it was just another situation where we really weren't that prepared and. Uh, at the end of the day, like half of the vocal tone, half of the guitar tones that we had, we ended up scrapping because they just sounded so bad. And fortunately, what we did was we ran both guys' tracks through each set of So, you know, we'd have to pick up and, you know, for mission purposes or whatever. But we were lucky that we, we had both guys' tracks at least through tones that sound good but for the exhorter the true exhorter guitar sound the law really only has half of it that's only half of what the exhorter guitar tone is the other the other tones were just so awful they had to be scrapped and that's one thing when we did more in the southern skies we we definitely knew not to do <laughs> right uh, that was importantly what we avoided let's let's make let's learn from our mistakes and not repeat these mistakes and we finally got the album that we felt represented this band and gave a proper of what we're like live so what was the uh, what was the initial downfall of the original run of exhorter which time we broke up like three <laughs> times before, <laughs> before i was 21 uh, i mean the first time we broke up was 1988 before we were ever even signed yeah uh, uh, relationships are fragile and uh you know they're two-way streets and, you know sometimes they you know that, that's the hardest part with bands and lineups is is the relationship part and with all of the breakups there was a breakup in 88 there was a breakup in 93 there was a breakup uh well we did a like a reformation and did a shows in 2000 that was like getting back together of turmoil within this band over the years and it is the single biggest reason why i think that this band isn't one of the biggest bands out there right now uh had we been able to stay together and do our job and compete with our peers i don't see why we couldn't be as big as any of the bands out there but you know you know woulda coulda shoulda we didn't so yeah. um you know, we're we're now at a point. The lineup that we have right now is this is the most 
people and cause lineup that this band has ever had. Uh, we all love each other dearly and think very highly of each other. Uh, we respect each other. Uh, we get along. Uh, we have a happy tour, but can't argue with that, man. So, uh, you know, we're, we're actually going to spend all of this next month of August together in Cincinnati at Jason's house, uh, preparing for the Psycho Las Vegas show, as well as working on new material for the, the upcoming album. Nice. You know, it's funny, you were talking about violence earlier, and I was I was kind of thinking about you guys and violence, and there's a few of those bands from back then that had a little bit of success, but then, you know, dysfunction or whatever broke them up, and now have come back around to, you know, probably more popular than they were back then, and, you know, obviously Exhorter, the, the, yeah. legend, grew, the legend grew over time, same with violence, you know. So it's, uh, it's I think you guys are kind of coming back to... to uh, much more of a fanfare type deal. It, it's been amazing, to be honest with you. I, the, the music for this band just speaks for itself, man. Uh, I have to say that because every time we've broken up and gotten back together, it's always bigger than it was before. And right. that doesn't always happen. That's kind of the exception to the rules. So we're really blessed to have that opportunity to come back. And 26 years, we recorded our last album at like charts on Billboard. You know, I mean, right. that's a lot. So uh, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And, and every day it seems like this band is doing more and more. Our social numbers are, are on the rise. And uh, when we toured with, overkill last year uh there were people at, uh coming to to meet us at the merch table after the show and i mean there were people like crying going you know it, i've been waiting my whole life to see this thank you so much and and to me that that's bigger than just me that yeah it doesn't even mean anything about me anymore that's the music the music after we record it and put it out there it doesn't belong to me anymore it belongs to everybody and you know, I've had people tell me, man, this song you did with this band or whatever, this album, whatever, helped me get through one of the darkest times in my life. And that that's that's big, man. That's 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 real life stuff. That's real talk. And uh, it's humbling for sure when you've learned that you helped somebody through a dark time. And I, that, that that's that's very, very pleasing to hear. You know, uh, uh, music's a very powerful weapon. Oh yeah, I was listening to an interview you did, and you were talking about um, you know one of the many bands that you kind of you know you went out, you toured, and you're 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 in a they're a signed popular band or whatnot, and then you get off the road and nobody made any money, and and I've been there, done that, and I remember the last the last big tour I did um, for a band that you know had a little bit of a stature. I got home from tour and I, they gave me like $400 for six weeks of work. And you're just like, I can't raise a family on this. You know, my day job pays more than this. And that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, when you actually have to like, you know, buckle down and, you know, become a dad. But you were lucky. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, yeah. It's tough when you, when you make a long run like that for, for chump change like that, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I mean, when you're young and you've got, nothing to lose and you know young 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 musicians tend to just more concerned about the next beer is coming from uh <laughs> but yeah you know when i was out on tour uh with two two small children i'm out for five weeks and come home with nothing it's it's very frustrating i i, I literally had to i literally had to stop touring at that point in my life and go get a real job and i held I held a job with the same company for over 10 years mm -hmm. um, after that. And, and I didn't leave that job until we put Exhorter back together and things were starting to ramp up again with the touring. And I was like, it's starting to happen. I just, there's so many shows here. I don't have enough paid time off to take, right. you know, to, to justify. Uh, and so that's when I knew it was time for me to walk away again. That's also a scary leap of faith, though, too, that, that the, the shows will continue to happen, you know, because if you've been at the same job for so long, you you built up, you know, you've built up the time off and you built up the five weeks of vacation and retirement plans and insurance yeah. and everything else. And 
and to to be like, all right, I'm going to go on tour again. Is it, that's got to be a tough decision? It, it was. I, I had the 401k. I had a fleet vehicle. I, I had full insurance for my wife and children and myself. I was, you know, <laughs> these were really good. And I, but it was a leap of faith. And uh, there were times when I really just wanted to keep my own ass because uh, I'm giving. The good news now is, yes, I'm making money playing music and uh, and running my own business here. Uh, it's not nearly the money that I was making then, but you know, fortunately, uh, you know, when when my wife was in medical school and I was working two jobs, uh, you know, she she graduated and now she's got a career and she turned to me and says, "All right, you know, it's your turn." So <laughs> she, you know, I, I I love my wife greatly. For a lot of reasons, but uh, the fact that she, you know, turned to me and said, you know, I, I'll I'll carry the load while you're building, you know, because that's what I did for her while she was in medical school. So, you know, that's awesome. Kind of yeah. nice. Not yeah, not a lot of people get that out there. No, no, no. It it helps to have someone to, to you know to to help you and believe in you. So what brings Exhorter back to do uh, more in the Southern Skies? Well, I, I really think the biggest reason was we just felt like we, we the job wasn't finished. It, it there was a, We still had more to say. We hadn't recorded the album that we felt like we needed to record. And and just the demand for it is there. It's, you know, we, over the years, there's always been somebody... Hey, you know what about Exhorter? You know, we'll give you all, you know, you know, blah 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 money to come play just one show, and you know the offers are always really good. Well, you know, a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to get this band up and running because it's not simplistic music. It's very intricate right. music, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 music that takes a lot of effort. Uh, to play even once you're you're up to speed so uh to just just because you one gig still takes a lot of work and you know again like the relationships are, are are tough you know and you know not everybody's in the same place in the same frame of mind as uh as everybody else so you know so we put this we assembled this this team that we have now went in recorded the album uh went out and supported it and uh you know, here we are now, uh, two, two years, just about two years after, uh, in October, it'll be two years since that album came out and, uh, and we're putting together a follow-up. So, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully when we, uh, by the time we release it, uh, everyone won't have forgotten about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, uh, the man that never was also that single you guys put out, it just, it, it sounds better and better. Like every time you guys put something out, you say every time you break up, you get more popular. Every time you put something together, it sounds even better. And I always say on this podcast, and I've said it a million times, thrash and metal have been the, the singular most, uh, what beneficial, uh, what is it? Beneficial genre to technology and recording. And everything sounds so good now. Like the guitar tones and drum tones and everything else just sound so crisp and clear. And that uh, that, that shows through on the man that never was for me. The technology is so advanced that, you know, unless you just are not good at miking uh, an instrument or drum set uh, or just have crappy sounding equipment, it's really nice, and I'm I'm doing uh, pre-production for a solo record, which I'll do, you know, after this next Exhorter album and Trouble album are out the way. Uh, but I'm I'm demoing the songs now, and I'm like making album quality recordings in my own house with an amp this big, you know, right. and and a condenser mic here in my house, and and it just goes to show you that you, you don't need necessarily to invest a lot of money in going you know now of course if you go into a real studio and, and, and do it the right way it's going to sound great but you know if you can't afford it you can still make great sounding 
Oh yeah. Yeah, you can find plugins online and everything else, man. It's pretty nuts what you can do now with uh, with technology. For sure. I know you're doing vocal lessons too. You know, are you are you helping people learn how to scream, yell, sing? You know, what 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 all is entailed in a Kyle Thomas vocal lesson? Well, the the most important thing that is uh, the fundamental technique. Uh, you know, breathing, posture. Uh, what not to do most importantly um so I, I i was in the high school chorus for two years and um and it was curriculum it wasn't extracurricular I, I went to class every day and got graded on it so every day for 50 minutes i sang uh my junior and senior years in high school and um and then i i I went to college for one semester, um, had trouble going to classes, but I did attend college. Uh, but I joined the <laughs> chorale there, which is like an advanced chorus. Mm-hmm. And my final Beethoven symphony or theater here, like making experience, uh, not just musical, but just stand behind a 60 piece orchestra and just, Oh, it's 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 unreal. It, it's it it's heavier than heavy metal could ever dream of being. Um, but that's that's the, the that's what I learned. That's what, how I was shaped. And I found I, I joined that chorus after I had joined Exhorter. The summer after I joined Exhorter, I joined the chorus in the school so that I could get just a little bit better. And uh, I I made a mistake by setting my bar down here. I just wanted to get a little bit better. I ended up being voted outstanding singer my senior year by my classmates. And I, I didn't know that I had that kind of voice. I didn't realize that I was blessed with this, this voice. And uh, I never wanted it. I never wanted to be a singer. It was always just kind of an inconvenience to me until I realized, well, I'm actually like really kind of good at this. So for me, uh, you know, it, it's nice. It's a nice way to make extra money especially like during the pandemic when it came tour right but uh the biggest payoff for me is when you see somebody struggling with something struggling with something and then they finally get it in it and the excitement on their face when they're so proud of themselves for finally getting it that to me is is the best part of teaching uh I, i'm grateful to have this this ability to, to share that with people. I, I teach them fundamentals of choral type singing, but I also, uh, you know, I, I can also help guide somebody with their uh, extreme metal singing, or, you know, uh, if they want to learn how I track my vocals in the studio, I, you know, I'm happy to teach that as well. I'm not, I'm not really into keeping trade secrets i know some musicians are funny <laughs> right. about you know they don't want you to see their gear they don't want you to know what they do in the studio i don't care man i'd, I'd rather i'd rather teach somebody so that they can go out and make as good of a recording there's there's plenty enough room for everybody to have success i don't understand not sharing uh, helpful hints and stuff like that what's the what's the future of exhorter at this point well we're gonna uh together next like i said to, um, to Las Vegas, um, we're doing our best to find and everything that we can do um, with, you know, working around the pandemic tour-wise. So, you know, we've already had one tour get scrapped, unfortunately, um, in Europe that we were supposed to go do in the fall. But uh, it's it's just we, we couldn't do it. It's just too risky right now. Um, so we're trying to put put some anything we can together here in the our finger now but you know it looks like this new delta variant is is ramping up so i don't know we'll have to see how that goes but yes we are working on new material and i'll start recording uh, versions of the songs that that will be on this next upcoming album so uh what i'm hoping for is that this time next year we have a new album ready to go awesome kyle well kyle man thanks for taking some time tonight I didn't mention Pantera one time, even though I wanted to, and uh, <laughs> we will talk soon. Great band. I'm absolutely a fan. Oh, yeah. I'm just messing with you. 
But uh, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much. All right, Kyle. Take care.
Once again, thank you to Kyle Thomas of Exhorter for coming and hanging out here on the Talk To Me podcast. They should have a new album coming out soon. I know they've been doing a lot of great shows, and Kyle Thomas is a solid, solid dude for going and helping out everyone down uh, in the New Orleans area with the Hurricane Ida cleanup. Once again, check out the Jason Newstead interview on the NotFest YouTube. And then next week, you will get the full Jason Newstead interview as a Talk To Me podcast. So that's going to be amazing. And until then, for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey. And I will talk to you guys soon. The Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast. Talk To Me.